Hashtag Pistons Podcast. We're back again. I'm Joe. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. I'm joined as per usual by Mr. Koo Cahill. You can find him on Twitter at Koo Cahill NBA. Uh, we're recording this on the night of January 9, 2020. Uh, the Pistons just lost an overtime game to the Cleveland Cavaliers, 115-120. to 120. Um, Tristan Thompson had a big game for the Cavs with 35 points and 14 rebounds. Uh, Darius Garland was also quite good with 20 points on 14 shots and 7 assists for Garland, which is pretty remarkable for him. He doesn't usually pass that much. Um, For the Pistons, Andre Drummond put up 28 and 23. Bruce had 27 points and 8 assists. Uh, Derrick Rose scored 27 points. Um, Overall, it was a pretty ugly game. Um, Through about, what, like midway of the third quarter, it looked like the Pistons had it pretty well in hand. Uh, but then they just kind of lost control of it. Um, the offensive execution really went downhill. They did not shoot enough threes. They only shot 23s on the night and hit just six of them. Um, and they ended up losing in overtime. Uh, there was a severe lack of execution down the stretch. I think there's no question about that. Um, I believe that with like three and a half minutes ago, the Pistons were up 100 to 94. And then at the end of regulation, it was 102 102 which that's obviously not good. Um, so, yeah, anyways, um, we'll get right into it as long as Ku's not eating there, Mr. Cahill. Um, and he says that he's got something that he wants to say that's going to make me want to talk, um, but he's not telling me what it is, so I don't know what he's about to say. He may be about to say some something wild here, but Ku, we'll just start off with that since you know that there's something you want to say because I don't even know what I want to say about this game. So go ahead. You ready, Joe? I'm ready. Now, I know that I've spent my fair share on this podcast screaming a lot about certain things, but um, today's game made me think about some stuff, and on the ride home, I started reevaluating, reevaluating some stuff, and I came to the conclusion that, Joe, I'm a bit higher on Dwayne Casey than I used to be. Why? What about tonight made you think that? <laughs> like, okay, like, look, look, okay. If you want to be higher on Dwayne Casey, that's fair. I mean, I disagree with you, but that's fair. But what about tonight made you be like, yeah, you know what? I really like how he just didn't drop offensive plays repeatedly at the end of the game. That was pretty cool. You know, I mean, I'm just, I really like that he played Thonmaker down the stretch. That was pretty cool, too. I'm just I'm just curious, what about tonight, of all the nights? This is the one that made you think this. All right, okay, so since I was waiting for you to go through, like, one by one, all the things you were going to disagree about. So I'll, I'll attack each one of those one-on-one. Okay. So once again, I can't – I have to – I'm not going to get too crazy about it. I'm going to try to stay uh, level-headed about it. So let's, let's just get this out the way. I don't think Dwayne Casey is the best coach, but <laughs> – but I think that I've been a bit unfair. I think some people have been a bit unfair as well, Joe included. So I'll run down the list. So since Joe said, what about tonight? You know, not playing Seku down the stretch. Well, first of all, if the Pistons' idea right now, and Dwayne Casey's idea right now is to try to win still, it's not just to tank, I understand why he didn't want to play Seku down the stretch because Seku is probably the most foul-prone player in the league as of right now. 
So putting him in late late in the game, especially in the fourth. The overtime, okay, fair. Maybe seeing him a little bit in overtime, even though most coaches usually just run their five out there for overtime. That's the five they stick with. But at the end of the, at the end of regulation, I understand why not wanting to put a Seku out there with how not much he follows and how prone he is to following. So I understand that. That's first. Second, he mentioned in the post game that he put Don. He wanted to have Don out there on Kevin Love because he thought his length could get to Kate, uh, Kevin Love more than Seku could, and I agree with that as well. But he did also note about how Don got lost on that corner three that essentially ended the game for the Pistons and OT. But basically, why I wanted to, one of the main reasons why I feel like we I've been a bit too tough on. Dwayne Casey, and now I'm starting to line up on him a little bit. One of the quotes he said after the game, and when he said it, it, it really resonated with me on the whole way home. And he pretty much said, I, I don't have the quote right in front of me, but what he pretty much said was someone asked him about Andre Drummond, does he dribble too much? Do you think he's dribbling too much, this, that? Dwayne Casey pretty much told him, no, I don't think he dribbles too much. If anything, it's our fault when he has to dribble dribble too much because we only have one point guard out there half the time and no one else can self-create, and he's the best outside the point guard. He's usually the best option to self-create. said there was only like one – I know what trap he was talking about. He said there was only one trap that he really didn't like from him, thought he dribbled too much. I know exactly which one he's talking about. Uh, under the visiting under the Cavs bench in the right corner, the trap came. He tried crossing over out of it instead of just passing out. I know exactly what he's talking about. But basically – he hasn't been dealt a very good hand. That's what basically what I'm saying. Like, when you think about it, like, and then that same guy asked him later on, well, why didn't you bring in Trim Frazier? And Dwayne Casey pretty much just, he, he looked at him for a second and was like, why? And then he was like, well, you know, to get D-Rose some break. He's like, you, you want me to, and then Dwayne Casey legit just responded to him with, you wanted me to sub out Derrick Rose to play Tim Frazier down the stretch? He's like, well, you know, if, if Derrick was getting a little bit tired, and he's like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm subbing in, Frazier for Derrick Rose, it would not be a very good decision. Maybe earlier in the game if I want to give him some rest, but late in the game, I'm not. I'm not going to do something like that. So basically, that those two quotes right there just put it in perspective for me that the fact that one a reporter would even have to ask about Tim Frazier having to come into the game just should let you know what kind of situation he's dealing with. Well, Tim Frazier is like the person that someone asks about first, and second, having only Derrick Rose out there that he points out about and. You know, even we like, of course, we like Andre, but do do I think that he dribbles a bit too? He has to dribble too much, probably. But it's not because, like like we've talked about before, it's not because he wants to dribble too much. Dwayne Casey hit on the head, which is another thing I really liked tonight. That it's not really on Andre it's because of their situation, and he kind of has to do that because of what situations around him. So it's just that I kind of reevaluate everything, and then you know, when the guy asked about Tim Frazier, I it, it really just set off to me like, damn. Like, this, he doesn't really have nobody to work with here. And injuries have, like, depleted that. Injuries have what caused that. But when you really look at it, he really doesn't have much, like, to work with here with what's going on out there. So now you can you can come back. I can see you itching to say something. But it's just that I, I don't feel like that he's really he's, – he really has much to work with. Now, I, I, before you go, I, I will say that he, he does have his faults. And he definitely has his faults, obviously. And there are sometimes he handicaps himself with even, he, even with the bad bad roster that he's been dealt. He doesn't handicap himself sometimes. But I I don't know if like many coaches 
Now, how many coaches do I, I don't know if there's many coaches I believe that would do like just like the A plus job with a piss poor roster like this. I mean, I'm, I I I don't think he's been dealt very good hand. So yeah, you can go ahead and uh, I see you itching to say something. Go ahead. Okay, I got two things. So first off, you said playing Thon over Sacred. Now, for what's worth, Thon didn't actually play a terrible game tonight. Just for what it's worth. Okay, I mean, by his standards at least. He, he played okay. What do you think is Seiku Dumboya's fouls per 36 minutes? 4.6? 4.8. What do you think Thon Maker's fouls per 36 minutes are? 5.2. 4.4. Barely lower. So the Seiku fouls too much. I mean, Thon Maker fouls just as much as Seiku does. Um, and also the I thought Thon Maker's length would give Thon Seku's length gave Kevin Love issues earlier in the game, and the reality is Seku played twenty minutes, and I get that he committed some bad fouls, but in a game where Andre Drummond plays like fifty, Seku should be playing more than if Seku plays twenty minutes he should have fouled out. There's just no other way around that, okay? Um, because he played decently while he was on the floor. Um, but that's not even my biggest... That's not the biggest complaint. Um, here's the other thing, Koo. This is why I'm a little disappointed in you, Koo. I'm going to be honest. going to be honest. I'm not angry, Koo. I'm, I'm just disappointed. So, if you remember, think back to last year when you, we, we, you had your original rant on this, okay? Yep. One of our main points was, look, we're not NBA coaches. And if we can see this... How on earth can you not as an NBA coach, okay? Why on earth are you giving him credit for saying, well, Andre Drummond dribbles a lot because we have one point guard and that's the reality? Me and you said that from the first game when Blake Griffin was hurt and when Reggie Jackson got hurt, right? So if me and you, a couple of jackasses, you know, I'll even leave you out of this, okay? You played basketball more than me, okay? Me, right? The highest level of basketball that I played was eighth grade basketball. Organized basketball, at least, okay? If I can be, like, immediately, well, I mean, yeah, he dribbles probably more than you want him to be dribbling because everyone else is hurt. I mean, why does he get credit for that? And that's kind of the point, is name one thing with Dwayne Casey that stands out as a, he nailed that on the head. One thing where it's like, he really has got, not like, oh, this was good. Like, this is a basic NBA coach should be able to realize, no, duh, having one point guard makes life difficult. <laughs> okay? Like, pick one thing where you're like, he really, they've really got that good. Well, uh, I think I, we talked about it a little bit last year, but I do think that looking back on it, he did push the right buttons with Luke and Reggie. I don't think that's true. I think it's true. Definitely not with Reggie. Reggie was mostly yeah. a get healthy thing. Like, that's what everybody has said. Right? Uh, that's fair. That was mostly but, a get healthy thing. Yeah, but even when he wasn't, like, even if we're saying that right now, in the moment, people were still criticizing Dwayne Casey, even though they knew he was unhealthy. Okay. We were, we were complaining about him with Reggie because they were making Reggie shoot too many threes, which was true at yes. the time. Like, that, that didn't become not true later on. Yeah, but I'm talking about how... But, okay, I'm not... Once again, okay, Luke Kennard making improvements in his second season 
And once again, he was not that much better last year. In fact, statistically, he was actually almost identical to what he was his rookie season. He just played more. Like, it's there's not progression. Okay, yeah, here's the line, okay? Rookie season, he played 20 minutes a game. He scored 7.5 points with 1.7 assists per game. True shooting percentage of 56%. Second season, he played 23 minutes per game. Scored 9.7 points with 1.8 assists. True shooting percentage of 56%. I mean, like, look, he didn't he didn't blow it, but I don't want a coach who doesn't who has some things that he doesn't like completely screw up. Like Luke Kennard did get better last year, definitely. But he's gotten better this year too. Yeah, but. It's not like he's made some gigantic leap, right? This year? This year he's been better, but once again, this is third year. This is the year you're kind of supposed to make that kind of a leap, right? And once again, a big part of that is actually just because he's played more before he got hurt, obviously, this year. I disagree with that. The per 36. Okay, so from his rookie year to his second year, his per 36 scoring went up by two points. From last year to this year, his per 36 scoring is up two points. Yeah, but it's not. I, I'm not just looking at the numbers. I'm looking at. The I know that. Point. I know that there's other things, but it's like he's made good linear progressions each year. But okay, so what's your what's your bigger? Okay, point? here here would be the here's the bigger point is just that I don't want to be like, oh, well, let's go easy on him because there's been a few things that he's not totally abjectly wrong about. You know what I mean? So like I Luke Kennard really... making. Okay, so for instance, all right. Andre Drummond has gotten better every year he's been in the league, right? Every year. Do we think that Stan Van Gundy is the reason that he got better each year that he was in the league under Stan Van Gundy? Probably not. I think Stan may have helped him a little bit on defense just because Stan really, he really, everything that you hear, he really rapes on that kind of thing. I think he may have helped him a little bit on that end. But Stan Van Gundy left, and he's continued to get better on defense. It's been a nice linear progression. But other than the free throw shooting, which he came back one year and suddenly he was able to hit free throws, there's never been a year where it's like, holy smokes, he's made this giant leap. It's always been these small steps, and that's the reason why everyone thinks that he hasn't gotten that much better, because it's been such a gradual improvement that people who don't pay close attention don't even see it, right? So you don't go to Stan Van Gunn and go, look at this, that's a great, great job. He developed Andre Drummond. It's kind of like, I mean... He didn't ruin Andre Drummond's development, but I'm not sure that I'm going to give him a lot of credit for his development, right? That kind of a thing. So okay. it's sort of like, it's like okay, so let's just say, here's one that would be a legitimately good thing, okay? I'm going to try and bring up these numbers here a second just to make sure I've got them right. So if we look at Bruce Brown, because he's definitely played better over the last like month or so. I'm going to bring up his splits here a sec. Excuse me. So. Okay, so over. We'll just start in December. Um, so over the last. Oh, I'm, I lost it. I'm kind of screwing this up here. Just a moment. One moment, please. So if you just go back wow. and just start in December. Okay. 
So from, um, so yeah, so just from the first game of December to now, Bruce Brown is scoring 10 points per game with four assists against just 1.6 turnovers. He's shooting 45% from the field, 32% from three. And his defense has been notably more in control this season. He's still got some work to do on that end, but he's made improvements, okay? Let's say that keeps up through the end of the year, and we go into next year like, Bruce may legitimately be a point guard. Like, he can maybe do this. Which, I'm not all the way there yet. I want to see him do it for longer. Um, But, let's just say that happens. That would be a legitimate... This guy made a real notable improvement beyond just, like, linear... Yeah, he got a little bit better because he was in the league another year, right? That would be a really nice feather in Dwayne Casey's cap and could end up being one. But, like, you look across the roster and it's just, you know, when they when they hired him and everyone's like, well, they hired him to develop guys. And people thought he was going to save Stanley Johnson. People thought he was going to make Henry Ellen some work. Neither of those guys worked at all. In fact, Stanley Johnson probably had his worst year as a Piston under Dwayne Casey, right? Quite frankly, he got worse than he had been the previous years. I mean, it's just, I just, I want a coach who does things, who isn't just like, well, I want a coach who you don't have to use things that it's like, well, he didn't screw this up at least as a way to defend him. You know what I mean? I want a coach where you can be like, no, this is legitimately, he did this and it was really good. And there's just not hardly anything of that for him. All right, so basically what I'm going to say is uh, I don't want to talk about Bruce. I know we're going to get more into him later, so I don't want to like talk about him too much right now. But basically what I'll say is this. It comes down to what you what your – it comes down to what your expectation of Casey and what you think of Casey already. So this is what basically I've come to. I've basically came to the realization that my expectation of Casey and what I think of Casey is I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he's a really good players coach. I think his players like him. They play hard for him. And also, this is this is basically my baseline for him. I don't think he's going to make a, a bad roster better. I don't think he's going to take a bad roster and just turn it into turn it into wine. I don't think he's pop. But I think I, I basically think that if you gave him a good roster, he won't make it a bad. Like he's going. He's okay, cool. This is literally game. what I'm saying. Okay, this is literally the point that I'm making. If you give him a really good roster, he on his own will not totally screw it up. Okay. That should be your absolute baseline for competency in an NBA coach. Not you don't get credit for that. You don't get credit no, for getting get, okay. You don't get you don't no one if you get C's in school, they give you your degree like yeah you get your degree. But no one's like oh he's a good student. They're like I mean he works I guess he made yeah, it okay. But okay that's what Dwayne C's, Casey is. Dwayne Casey is a C coach, okay, and the Pistons paid him a bunch C's. of money. And they've prioritized him over a lot of other things. Remember when they first hired him and they said he got a guarantee that they would get time to sort out the roster for him. Okay? He's a C-minus coach. That's what he is. He is a... He won't totally ruin everything. Also remember, the Raptors got infinitely better when he left. That's wild. They got Kawhi Leonard. They're better this year. They're better now than they were. They have Pascal Siakam had hit, had an explosive season after Dwayne Casey left. Same with Fred VanVleet. All right, so once again, but you went, and also the year before that, they got way better because 
they came to Dwayne Casey. They're like, bro, you are not allowed to coach the offense anymore. We're taking this out of your hands. Think about that. They gave coach of the year to a guy who the who the organization had to basically be like, yeah, half of the game you don't do anymore. We do not trust you with this anymore. He's a C minus coach. I'm not. Right, right. It's stupid to give credit to a guy when he is reaching credit, the, the absolute baseline on some things, because there are some credit. things. Okay. Well, if you if 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 this were like all the people criticizing Dwayne Casey, like the ones that don't like him, they are saying that he's just a C coach. Then okay, but it's not that he's going through high school getting a C C grade, and then he goes and then he graduates. People, people are making it out to be he's going through high school with F's and he needs to be held back. Like that, That's not what's happening here. He got a bad roster. I'm not sure if a good coach could get uh, – you think, you, think you think a great coach would come here and make us like a 6 you wouldn't, you wouldn't need roster? a gr- You wouldn't need a great coach for to make this team not an abject disaster. So Okay, so if we had a good coach, we'd be like 6 seed? You think there's a I don't know if he'd be a 6 seed. Roster? You'd probably be able to sniff 500. I don't know, but I I don't think that there's many coaches that you could find that would make this make what he's dealing with like this roster that he tried out there tonight. I don't know if there's many coaches you can find that would make this and make that kind of thing. Cool, they're worse than the Josh Smith Pistons. What? This is this team right now is worse than the Josh Smith Pistons. That's not fair to compare. And is it true? Wait, no, it's not because the Josh Smith Pistons were five and twenty-three. This is worse than the Josh Smith Pistons. No, this is not. This is not worse than five and twenty-three. This is worse than that team. All right, man. We we can move on to the next topic now. I don't know. He's a C. He's a C minus coach. Don't give credit to a guy because on some he's things. Not giving credit. It's that's not, literally what no, you're doing. You're no, saying, no, you know what? I've been too hard on him because he's had a couple of things that he is not a no, total okay. failure. See, that's, see, that's what I'm talking about. That right there. That's not fair. It's not just a couple of things. Blake Griffin has lost his legs. Reggie Jackson can't walk. He Derek Rose is his only functioning point guard. Tim Frazier is his backup. We got we got Thon Maker playing backup big minutes. We got and whose fault is it that Thon Maker is playing? Who's oh, okay. decided to play Thon Maker? Who okay, played so Thon Maker you, even earlier in the Thon, season before there were all of the injuries? If you don't play Thon, that means you're playing Sekou Dumboya, who all of us said before the season, if he's playing, it's not good for the Pistons. So like, it, it's not just a few things. The whole roster has fell to complete pieces this season. It's not a few things. His best players lost his legs. His third best player's done. And yet, can you name one thing that he has done to make this team better through the injuries? No, but... The okay, that he's so been... then stop defending him. There's nothing to defend him over. No, that's not, Having that's, some that's, things that's that he is not abjectly just making worse by his own touch as the anti... You know, as the anti-King Midas. Whatever the anti-King Midas, everything he touches turns to shit, okay? He's not John Cooster, Right? Not being John Custer, that doesn't give you credit. You're still a bum. Who's giving him credit? You. You literally are saying no, I, that people are being too hard on him. Like no one is. Minus, no one is being too hard on Dwayne Casey. No one is being too hard on Dwayne Casey because he yes, talked this big game. The whole franchise talked this big game about how we were getting the coach of the year. He's this elite coach. No, he's not. It was a huge mistake to give this guy anything. The fact that the Pistons hired him is actually the best indication that I do not have any faith in this front office to make this work. 
The fact that they're like, this is the guy. And Stefanski was like, well, I had him before, and he seemed like a good guy there, so I'll just hire him again. We'll just give him a five-year contract. Yeah, that's good. Coaches aren't important. He's not a good coach. It's just that simple. All right, man, you can believe what you want. No, he's he's a C-. Do you think a C student is a good student? I think he's probably about C, C plus. Okay, do you think that's a good student? Yes, that's a fine student. That's an average. That's an average to above that is, average student. That is that's not exactly true. What C plus is that is not true. C plus true. is exactly above average. That's what C plus is. Well, maybe you go into the Detroit public schools. Maybe that's the, how the that C works plus, there. C plus is literally the definition of above average. That's what it means. That's C not is true. average. C plus is above average. You know they don't actually grade on a bell curve. When you just asked me C plus C, I said yes. Now I know why you're not in school anymore, Koo. Alright, man, we can move on to the, uh, we can move on to whatever else. You're thinking C pluses. Oh, that's good. That's fine. That's a pretty good student. I didn't student. say good. I said above average. No, it's not. And that's exactly what C plus is, but we can that's move on to the game. He's, he's not a good coach. He's a bad coach. Just like uh, if you're a fun. C student, you're not, you're a bad student. Okay, Joe, so before we move on, just answer this one question. Is there? Do you believe that there are other coaches out there that would turn this roster right now, tonight, into a six-seed team? No, I don't think it would turn into a six-seed team. Okay. I think that you could maybe be, like, not an abject disaster. 15 and 25? What are we, 15 and 25? Yeah. Okay, that's abject disaster. I'm looking at, like, the Knicks as, and Hawks as, like, abject disasters. Congrats. You're better okay, than the Knicks. Where the Pistons are right now, that's this is great. The road. You're better than the Knicks, and the Hawks are purposefully trying no, you're to lose. You're using abject disaster. That's what you're describing, though. You're not saying middle of the road, which is where they're at right now. They're at, you're saying abject disaster. That's they're not, not middle they of the are. road. They're an abject disaster. No, they're not. But that's that's not what they are. Yeah, they are. What else would okay. you call this season? I just said. Right, <sighs> Cool. He makes his players worse because he doesn't coach. He literally says he gets mad when he has to coach offense. This is a literal quote from him. In that first game that Bruce had to start at point guard, he was like, man, I actually had to get up and coach. He literally said that. Imagine giving any credit to a guy who is literally mad he had to coach offense. Think about that, Koo. I think you unplugged your mic or something. Yeah, I can't hear you. Okay, whatever. We'll leave that where that was. Um, I don't know what else to talk, to talk about. And look, whenever I've talked about him, I've said, you could hypothetically do worse than Dwayne Casey. Okay, You could do John Kuster. Like, Pistons fans have seen coaches worse than Dwayne Casey. No question about it, right? There's like three straight that were worse than Dwayne Casey. It is possible. But you, he's still a bum coach. He's not good. He's a bad head coach. And he shouldn't be head coach. That's still the fact. The good news is that the Pistons probably should be losing all of these games. So even though they aren't trying to, they probably still will because they've got a coach that makes their team actively worse. Alright, well, we can talk about Bruce now. Okay. Um... And there's not a ton of stuff with Bruce, just I think quietly he actually had a pretty good outing. Um, 17 points on 17 shot equivalents, 8 assists without a turnover, 4 steals, 2 blocks. Um, The main blemish on his game is that down the stretch he really struggled to defend um, both Garland and Sexton on a couple of possessions. 
which was a little disappointing because he did pretty well most of the game, I thought. But down the stretch, he really kind of got cooked a few times. Um, but, yeah, it just, um, as I brought it up earlier, but he has, I've never been, I'm not sure I buy in to him yet as a point guard. Um, I've, but I've, so I've mostly kind of viewed the thought process of, oh, well, he can be a real point guard. I've mostly viewed that as, yeah, no, that's not, that's just not going to happen. Like he can maybe be a secondary or tertiary ball handler, but he's not a point guard. Um, well, I'm not buying into that all the way. It's getting to the point over the past, you know, two months. I brought, I said the numbers earlier, but it's gotten to the point where I'm at least willing, especially if Blake is going to be out the rest of the year. If you're going in on a rebuild, I'd be interested to let him give it a shot for the rest of this season, possibly into next year, depending on how far into a rebuild you go. Um, you know, I'd be, I'm interested to see if he can maybe start to progress more. He's got my attention as a point guard, which he hadn't really um, had that before. Uh, and, the, and tonight is just another example of it, where he he pretty clearly is in over his head as a lead ball handler, um, but now he just looks like normal in over his head, right? Like, he looks more like a normal, young, inexperienced point guard and not like, this guy's a total disaster. Like, why did anyone think this was a good idea? <laughs> Um, the one thing that I will say that will that to temper things a little bit is people have brought up his improved three-point shooting. Um, while he is improved as a three-point shooter, and that does help, until he starts to take enough of them that people actually guard him from three, it doesn't make that big of a difference because he's still super gun-shy from deep, especially if he's not in the corners, and no one does guard him from three still, so... Um, it doesn't really matter yet. It'll matter when people start to guard him, which is a that's a tough thing to do to, you know, become a good enough shooter to go from someone that nobody ever guards to someone that people guard. Um, yeah. So, Koo, I don't know if you've got anything else you want to. What do you, I? Did you have something else you wanted to tack on to Bruce? Um, a couple of things. One, I disagree. I think uh, I, I'm all the way in on him potentially being a point guard. Um, I don't think he looks like he's in way over his head. Uh, I think he, I don't think he's perfect, obviously. I don't think he's great. I don't see him looking way over his head. I think he's cut down on his turnovers. His, his vi- the vision that we saw in the summer league is trans- transferring here. He makes some of the best passes on the team. Best, uh, not, actually, let me take that back. Not the best passes in what fans will think, like the little behind the back, sort of a, the crazy double clutch ones that Rose does. But he makes some of the best reads on the team. He makes them pretty fast. He's not going to over-dribble. If he sees the read, he's going to hit it there. Um, over the past, like, month and a half, two months, he's going. He's attacking the rim strong. He's using. He talked about in the summer how he wanted uh, some of his problems where he's jumping too far away from the rim. He wants to try to dunk more. And while I don't know if he's – I don't know if he's dunked it more this season on drives to the rim, he definitely is exploding, trying to go over the defender, right into the defender a lot more this season. And it's, result, it's doing good for him this year. He's – getting better at finishing around the basket. Most basically what I'm saying is the dude makes some reads that that a lot of people don't make and he's I think he's shown that he 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 could definitely be a point guard. I'm all for it. And um secondly why I disagree with this is three point shooting. I don't care that he's gun shy to shoot from anywhere but the corners. I wrote about it. I this is like a natural development I'm okay with. Well uh, yeah, okay, okay. 
it's good that he's hitting more threes. I'm not saying that it's a meaningless thing. I'm just saying it doesn't matter that much yet. He needs to get, because even in the corners, no one guards him still, right? The only times that he shoots is when he is wide, wide open, right? And he when he's not in the corners, he just doesn't ever shoot, period, right? Like, he literally basically never shoots threes if it's not in the corner at this point. Um, which, I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world. Shoot what you can hit. That's okay. But just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make the point to say that this will start to matter when he is hit enough that people actually start to guard him. Right? Because hitting, hitting like 35% of your threes when no one is ever guarding you, like Rajam Rondo has done that a couple of times and no one started guarding him because it's like, we're just leaving him wide open. Even when he's wide open, he's not going to shoot a lot of them. So it's sort of like until he starts to not be a huge negative as a floor spacer, which he remains at this point, it's not going to have that big of an impact on on his game. So, like, I agree with you that this is a good step. Obviously, starting to hit some of them that's a <laughs> that's a step in the right direction from where he was last season. Um, but I'm just not. So the other thing, though, so you talked about his passes. Um, I agree with you on that. That's the thing that last season, why I thought he was um, sort of intriguing as a secondary or tertiary ball handler, um, because he clearly has pretty good vision. My main worry with him was, so when you look at like skills that translate or things that you can learn at the NBA level, um, I'm pretty convinced at this point that being someone who can go from not being able to create for themselves at all, particularly struggling finishing at the rim, into someone who is able to finish at the rim and create for themselves, I'm pretty convinced at this point that that's just about the hardest thing that you can learn. And that doesn't mean that no one ever does it, but just the people who do successfully do that are the outliers, right? It's like, for instance, okay, with a three-point shot, there's a pretty good chance. I mean, he seems like someone who works pretty hard and his form isn't terrible. So there's a pretty good shot that he'll end up being at least a decent three-point shooter at some point. Um, just because that's something a lot of guys do. But when you look at the numbers, so first off, just because you brought up dunks, he had 16 dunks last season and he has 18 this season. So he is he already has dunked more. But so last season, his true shooting percentage was 47%, which is terrible. This easy is up to 51%, which is still bad, but it's a good improvement. But he's done that while being assisted on like 20% less of his buckets. Last season, Bruce Brown was assisted on basically every three-pointer he took and 61.4% of his two-pointers. This season, he's been assisted on literally every three-pointer he's made, but he's only been assisted on 41.2% of his two-point field goals, per basketball reference. And... That's the sort of thing where it's like, you know, normally when you have a guy who is asked to create for themselves more, they get less efficient. Bruce has gotten more efficient while having to create for himself more. And so while I'm still a little bit skeptical, once again, just because I'm utterly convinced that that is the hardest thing to learn at the NBA level, right? Like, if you don't show up with some ability to do that, that is the hardest thing. And he was a bad finisher at the hoop last season. He was a bad creator for himself last season. There's no way around it. And I'm still worried about the fact that he can't shoot in the mid-range at all. But we've mentioned this um, on the last podcast, and you tweeted it. Um, He's got a decent floater. And as you mentioned, he's been better about taking it off at the right spot. Clearly, he can jump, and he's strong enough to finish inside. 
Um, he just wasn't able to make the ball go in. So that's the sort of improvement that's like, look, he's still got room to go. He can't shoot. Uh, and a true shooting percentage of 51% is still very, very bad. That's bad. But he's made those sorts of improvements that it's like, I'm now officially intrigued by the possibility of him doing that. I guess that's what I'm saying. All right. Um. Also, so I mean, just as another example, um, so he's it's not a huge increase, but he is taking more of his shots all the way at the hoop this season than he was last year. Um, so just there's just a lot of indications that he has started to he re, it, it's not just the eye test the statistics back it up that he really has improved himself in that area, and I'm still a little skeptical just because I'm utterly convinced that that is the hardest thing to learn, but. He's made a good step this season. So basically, what I'm going to say is, uh, to mention what you said earlier about the little oh, it's just linear progression. Like when you were talking about with Dwayne Casey, just right. oh, just guys having linear right. progression. This is not linear progression for Bruce. Linear progression that, that, that's would what be I was about to say. yeah. Linear progression would be if he was shooting like he was from three, and you know he was maybe turning the ball over a little bit less, you know, and he was taking a few more floaters. Right, this is not linear progression. You know, facilitating for yourself a bunch more. I mean, a twenty percent drop in the number of two pointers that he's being assisted on—that is a huge drop, huge. And he's a more efficient scorer now. Like that is a that is a big, big yeah. So he's assisted on twenty percent less of his shots, and his true shooting percentage has gone up by what is that? One, two, three, four. He's gone up by four points. That's significant. That is really significant, especially for when you real. I last season Bruce Brown was a disaster on offense, right? Like there's no way around it. Okay, he made him on the floor was a bad thing for the offense. It's still not good, but there are a lot of good signs. He's also getting a ton more free throws. His free throw rate is one of the best on the team at this point, I think. Let me double check this so I don't just I may I I, I better make sure I'm not saying something totally stupid here. Yeah, so he's got the... So Christian Wood has the highest free throw rate, followed by Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, and then Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown has a high draws more free throws than Derrick Rose does. That's wild. Yeah. So it just all is indications of... Now, part of that is because Derrick Rose has a tough whistle, to be honest. Um, but they're all just indications that, you know... Even if that's a hard thing to do, the guys that manage to do it are exceptions to the rule. He may actually be an exception. Um, and that's actually, that's exciting. Uh, because, you know, especially if you pluck a guy like that out of the second round with 40-second pick. Um, you know, he starts to show that improvement. That's really, that's an exciting thing. So even if the Pistons do totally tear it down, which would be frustrating and sucky... For a lot of reasons, which we've talked about, and we'll talk about more in the future, I'm sure. Um, that's one thing that's kind of exciting, is that Bruce Brown has showed real improvement there. And not just that sort of linear improvement that, well, he's another year older, so of course he's a little better. He's a lot better this year. It's actually hard to really... The, the sort of base numbers really do not give justice to how much better he has been this season than he was last year, to be honest. So, yeah. I talk for a long time. You can talk for a bit about some if you want. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, that's just basically that's just what I was gonna say. It's just that 
just looking back to last year, everyone, at least a lot of people I saw, liked it, were hesitant to really get excited about him because they just looked at him as kind of like Stanley Johnson, really good on defense, uh, sometimes a good playmaker. But, you know, we, we're tired of seeing these defenders who can't really do crap on offense. They're just minds on offense. They don't really pr- – they don't really progress, so we're not going to get high on them. Okay, here, 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 cool. Here's the best way to show this, I think. Okay, have you once after the first couple of weeks of the season because he started off the season really bad, but after he got out of that early slump, have you once thought to yourself, I low key think that we ought to be playing um, Kyrie Thomas instead of him? Because yeah. you said that last season, we both said that. Like he was playing 20 minutes a game. And the Pistons were doing pretty well when he was on the floor. And we were all still kind of like, I'm not going to lie, I don't think this is going to last because I think that he's not good enough. You know? Like, at the end of last season, he started a bunch of games last season, played a bunch, and we were still kind of like, I'm not totally sure that Bruce Brown is an NBA player. (laughs) You know? And I think he has made that step to where it's like, he is definitely an NBA caliber player. Definitely. Um, I'm still not sure that he's a point guard long term, but he's definitely an NBA caliber player, and I'm a lot I am a lot more interested in him now than I was last season. Last season it was fun. I was like, okay, that's cool, but I did not I didn't have a lot of hope that he was gonna be anything more than a guy who, you know, a really high effort, high energy defender. But now he might be able to be more. So, yeah. So, yeah, basically, I mean... We're both so sad about this game, man. We're both just tired and... No, I mean, it's just just that with Bruce, basically what I'm I'm getting at with Bruce is that I was a big Stanley Johnson guy, so, like, when people talked about him, I just sat there and said, you know, he has the body, he has the... He's shown flashes, blah, blah, and so I believed in him. This is is just... That's not the same with Bruce. Like, Joe talked about, but I'm just going to say... I'm just going to, like, say the same, kind of say the same thing. Bruce, I mean, he, he's improved around the rim. The, the passing ability that he showed, the vision, the reads, all that stuff that he showed in Summer League, it's translated here. He's He's gotten better. And basically what I was saying about from the corner, why, why I'm not really worried about or caring about that, because I do, that, I do think that helps him short term or right now. I do think that helps him right now because – like I wrote about it, is that, you know, if you look at Pascal Siakam, just, just pluck someone else that, of course, Dwayne Casey coached him, so everyone's going to think about him. Just look at Pascal Siakam. It's the same thing that happened with him. In his second season, all of his shots came from the corner, and he shot around, I think it was 39 40% from three that second season. You fast forward two seasons after that, he had his breakout season, and he was shooting threes from that, – that's this year. He's shooting threes from above the break now. He's shooting threes from the wing everywhere. If you look at, if you look at Bruce, Bruce is on the same kind of – trajectory he's shooting more th- he, I think he's shooting less around the same amount of threes from the corner on a high he's shooting him at a higher percentage so that's like where you want him to be at you want him to get right here so then next year you expect him to shoot a little bit more threes a game and after the year after that then you expect him to be able to start shooting threes from above the break and everything yeah. and it's not even just that it's that added on to that with his corner three-point shooting that that's like the first step that you want to see the corner three-point shooting just keep doing that next year now we'll head to the next step yeah, it's not just that. It's the next thing is Joe kind of touched on it, along with the reads he's making. Like I, I for real can't say how much I'm impressed by the reads he makes, the corner skips he makes, 
that he he doesn't wait. And one of the things I really like about it is that when it opens up, he delivers it immediately. He's not going to over dribble to the point that where he finally does get it to him, then the guy's not as open as much now. He can't shoot it. Like he gets it to him when he sees the read. He's very comfortable. I, I mentioned this earlier. He's snaking around the pick and roll a lot more, keeping the, getting the defender sealed, and so that he can open up the floater and attack to the rim. Like he's doing all kinds of little stuff in the pick and roll like that. So like it's just. And then also he's opening up like he's shown a couple new stuff in his bag. Like he's done a couple reverses like over the past week. He's floating the ball a lot more. He's raising up over the defender, getting to the free throw line, not scared to take contact. I mean, it's just like so many things. And that's basically what I was saying. Like, like the reason why I was mentioning the aggression with Dwayne Casey. It's not about Dwayne Casey. I'm, that's not why I was mentioning it. I'm just saying that this is obviously, with Bruce, this is not linear progression. He's added a lot. You can see a lot of things he's putting stuff together, a lot of good things he's putting stuff together. And from everyone you hear, Dwayne Casey, his teammates, when you talk with Bruce, he just see, he just oozes out that kind of, I'm going to work hard, I'm a train. I want to be a better player, I want to be a great player, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to do what I have to do. I under, And he's really, he's really self-aware. Because, like, and one of the things with Stanley Johnson that people talked about is that he, people felt like he wasn't self-aware. People felt like that he, he, he thought he was way better than he was instead of like working on the things that he wasn't really that good at instead of just assuming he was, the, he really was good at it. Like Bruce told me, Bruce told me, I, I know I'm not going to get a lot of threes from any, any other place coming into the season than the corner with Blake and Reggie and stuff. I was getting ready to just be a catch and shoot guy. Like he works on things. He knows what his game is. He knows how he can help the team. He's self-aware and he's going to work hard at it. So like I'm, I can't speak on how much how impressed I am with Bruce. And I think tonight's game was really, really one of his most impressive ones. He has eight assists, no turnovers, seventeen points, four what was it, four steals, and two blocks. Like he was, he impressed the hell out of me tonight. So like, it, I'm really impressed with Bruce. I'm really excited to see him for the future, and I think that he, I, I'm, his his ceiling for me is raising high because I'm, I just think that. With guys like that, you want someone who works hard, who has the attitude that he wants to get better, he wants to be a better player, self-aware. And along with that, you're seeing the stuff this season, all kinds of little stuff that just isn't just something you see normally from first year to second year. Like, he's done all kinds of stuff that you just don't see all the time. So, I mean, I'm really excited for his future. I'm really high on Bruce. Yeah. Um, just for comparison, because you brought up Stanley Johnson. So, Bruce, is his true shooting percentage is 51% this season. The highest Stanley Johnson ever got in a Pistons uniform was 48.2. Bruce's assist percentage this season is 20.1%. The highest Stanley Johnson ever got was 10.8 in his rookie year. Bruce has made some of those steps that we kept hoping Stanley would make and never did. And he's done that in his second season. So I mean, uh, Bruce Brown is already better than Stanley Johnson ever was. Yeah, just stay right there for just a second. Just I, I just want to mention this, and Joe brought it up. Even and if you also look at that Joe his rookie season. I mentioned this in the article I wrote. If you look at Stanley Johnson's rookie season, that's the best year he shot from three for the Pistons. You want to know where he shot most of his shots from? The corner. The corner. The reason why, and I I talked about this in the Bruce piece. One of the things you can look at for some of the reason why Stanley Johnson may may have not gotten better from long distance, he started drifting more and more away from the corner and tried doing things he like wasn't good at. It wasn't trying to. He, like I said about the self-aware thing, Bruce is more self-aware. He's willing to do the tiny things. He's willing to do what he needs to do to get better. Stanley thought he was better than he was, 
and you drifted away from the corner to try to prove that you could do more stuff from the corner, and just that just wasn't it. So this whole like it, it getting shots from the corner starting there. It says if you look across, that's where it usually starts at, and that shows a good sign for where you're going future-wise. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's actually it's probably a pretty good place to end it. We just crossed Let me midnight. ask you one question. Yeah, go for it. So. It was this was pretty bad for me watching this game. I'm a, this this one thing, Colin Sexton, dude. Let me just say something real quick. Oh, you were tweeting no. about this. No, bro. No, you don't understand. Like this was this was insane to me. So I, with the whole Kevin Love thing, I heard I was a little bit critical of Kevin Love. I thought he was getting out of pocket. You know, you didn't have to sign the the extension. You didn't have to do that. You don't have to go out there and just like try to ruin. The chemistry of the team tried to do a bad environment for the young players. I didn't think that was cool or whatever. But, bro, after watching the last two games, this is, I, I'm surprised he hasn't put one of these young guys through a scorer's table. It's its getting bad. Like, watching this game today, first of all, just for reference, Bruce Brown had eight assists. Sexton and Garland had eight combined. And, and, and Garland multiple, had seven. Yes, Garland. I was about to say, Garland had seven of them. Sexton, bro, I'm not even joking. I'm I'm keeping it all the way a buck a one fifty dude, this man Sexton, on multiple occasions I kid you not, there was one possession late in the fourth, Seti Osman was right next to him in the corner wide like literally wide open whoever lost him was on the other side of the court Seti Osman was wide open Sexton looked him literally straight in his eye, looked the other way and tried driving the ball turn the ball <laughs> like this dude. And then, and then on multiple occasions, like more than like probably four or five, they did a pick and roll and they got Eric Rose or someone else switched on to Kevin Love. Kevin Love would go down and look for the ball. Sexton would literally look him in his face and just look him off and just wouldn't pass him the ball. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's ludicrous. <laughs> and it's I think awful. part of the, part of the reason why this is extra painful for Kevin Love is that Kevin Love is, like, naturally such an incredibly unselfish basketball player, right? Like, Kevin Love is one of those dudes. He would he wants to be in an offense that he likes to, you know, just constant passing, ball movement, cutting, etc. Like, that's the sort of offense he wants to play in. That's his natural basketball setting. And then to be stuck with these two guys that just don't pass ever. Like, that's got to be just insane. No, it's I've never seen something like it, dude. Like hearing people talk about it, it was a ha ha funny joke. But watching the last two games, particularly this game, I'm not even joking. I was I was in disbelief by how bad this was. Like I would bench the guy. Like I'm not even joking. This is this is like this is not like when people complain about Derrick Rose for oh you went for a shot instead you could have made this read. No, this is like yeah. stuff I would bench a player yeah. for. This was like this is awful. Like like I was it's gotten to a point where I was willing to put out to Twitter. Would you rather have Bruce Brown or Colin Sexton? Because the Colin Sexton, the 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 willing, the unwillingness just to pass the ball, he just seems like he refused. Like that, what? That, it's not even in his DNA. It's like he doesn't even think about passing. It's bad. I've never seen something like it before in my life. It's awful. Yeah, I feel bad about Colin Sexton because I actually liked him a, quite a bit from last season. I liked him as a rookie. I thought he showed a lot of potential. Um, but he has really, he's kind of lost me this season. First off, he shot 40% from three last year. On fewer attempts this year, he's shooting 29%, <laughs> which doesn't help. And his assists are down. He's almost down an entire assist per game from last season, which is wild. So 
I How really. Many is he I, averaging this year? I just want to hear that. Two point three. Darius yeah, that's, Garland that's, that's is leading them in assists per game with like three. That, that that's shocking to me. I, I was going to assume like one point seven. Like it's bad. I yeah. couldn't believe what I was watching this. And when you have the ball as much as he has it, it's almost impossible not to get at least two. Tristan Thompson is averaging two point two assists. Like. <laughs> Like Tristan Thompson literally is averaging the same number of assists as him. So just just saying, hold up, hold this, this hold this, hold up. What? Tristan Thompson literally has like eight less assists on the season than him. Chetty Osman too. It's bad. It's awful. I've never seen something like it before in my Kevin entire Love life. has played in th- in six less games and has more assists this season than Colin Sexton does. I feel so bad for Kevin. Matthew Dellavedova has literally played less than half the amount of minutes as Colin Sexton, and Matthew Dellavedova has 11 more assists. It's awful. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, I feel bad because I actually liked what I saw from Sexton last season, and a lot of people didn't. And I was kind of like, no, he, he's okay, guys. You guys are being too hard on him. And then he just goes out and he does this this season, and it's like, wow, I was wrong. <laughs> I was. Oh, the, yeah. I showed my whole ass on that. I hope he gets back together because he's like, because you do like his approach. Like, he's super aggressive. He likes to get up into people. He likes to play defense. I like all of that. But, like, bro, first off, you can't be as inefficient as he has been scoring because he's been, like, superbly inefficient this season still. But he also just never passes. Like, it's wild, truly. So... Yeah. Like if you just saw Kevin Love on these possessions, dude, like it begin like I watched it progress throughout the entire game. Like it was it was a hilarious storyline for me just to watch. It was like a story. Like beginning of the game, Kevin Love, you can tell that he's trying his hardest, like not to make it an issue, trying to just, you know, as they're saying sorry for everything. He's trying to like be more supportive. Beginning of the game, you see it happen. He walks out, he walks, he's like, Okay, okay, do your thing, blah blah. Second quarter, he's like, Okay. All right. Third quarter is when you start to see <laughs> It was so funny because in the third quarter, you start to see him slowly get more pissed about it. He starts to get the mismatches on. He calls for it, and he'll just the, he'll wave them off. Kevin Love will go stand the block. He won't pop out no more. Now he'll just stand watch. Then in the fourth quarter, he legit started eye-rolling then. He, it was like a slow progression each quarter of him just slowly getting more pissed off about what the hell was happening. It was hilarious. But, yeah, I just have to talk about that. It was just yeah. so eye-popping to me what yeah. happened. Good place to end. Um so, overall, disappointing loss. Um, because even if you are hoping that the Pistons lose, that's a pretty gut-wrenching way to lose. Because they absolutely blew that game. Um, but, yeah, we both like what we see from Bruce, though. Um, I will say, Koo, your boy Derek, he had a bit of a rough outing tonight. No no way around that. It was a, it was a rough go of it, but that's okay. I still think he's mostly been good this season. Um, I will say, I don't think that we're ever putting Derrick Rose in the title of a podcast again. Because my Twitter mentions were cancer this morning and last night. Oh, yeah. You, I, <laughs> I can't. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. No more Derrick Rose in the title. I don't care if we no, spend yeah, an, I had, I had the, yeah, I don't care if we spend an entire podcast talking about Derrick Rose. That's the only thing we talk about. That is not going in the title. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I, you don't understand, like, me being a Derrick Rose fan growing up, like, I've had to, I've had to mute so many Derrick Rose fans, dude. It's it's insane what they say. It's yeah. it's out of pocket. Yeah, it's and wild. just to talk about his performance tonight, Dwayne Casey said in the post game that he that uh, he felt like he was getting tired towards the end of the fourth quarter and was tired about overtime. Well, I mean that may be it, true. This was so, the most minty play. So. Twenty seven points on twenty four shots. That's okay. 
Five assists versus six turnovers. That's a tough outing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he kind of blew a couple of possessions late in the game, too, which isn't great. Yep. But, and look, I'm not going to be too hard on him. He's being asked to do a lot, right? Just like Andre. I'm not going to be too hard on him for it, but just not a great outing for him. Um, him and Andre are trying their best, though, man. I feel kind of bad for both those guys. Like, they're both yeah, trying. I, they're both, they are both leaving it on the court, like, every single night, trying so hard to drag these guys, to drag this offense to competency. <laughs> it really yeah, is a heroic yeah. effort by both of them. But it's depressing. They both kind of fell short tonight. Although, I, Andre scored 28 points, too, but he, he was also not that efficient. And he had three turnovers with just one assist. Andre had 10 offensive rebounds tonight. It was funny to see Tristan Thompson try to, like, rebound against him. Like, it was like Andre was just, like, holding off a kid. Like, yeah. he tried to go reach for the rebound. Andre was just like... Yeah, I do love how people uh, kept people keep bringing up that Tristan Thompson had scored all these points, Andre. And look, it wasn't... It's not a great look. I did think there were quite a few possessions um, where Andre blew it. There was one in particular, Darius Garland had a layup. And he got by... I think he got by... He got Thon Maker switched onto him, I think. And they got by him. And I really think Andre should have blocked the hell out of that ball. And he just didn't react to it in time. And I don't, I don't know why, but just this one play, it seems so obvious. Like, bro, you got you to gotta see that coming. But, I mean, like, people are talking about how Tristan Thompson owned Andre as though Andre didn't put up 28 with 23 rebounds. <laughs> like, Did you see my tweet? Hmm? No, I didn't see you tweet about it. No, Andre says something about it after the game. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, you brought. Yeah, no, no, no. I saw it. Yeah, they're trapping a lot of the ball handlers, so he got the ball like five feet from the rim repeatedly, and that's true. Yeah, Andre. Andre legit said. Andre legit said, "Hold on, let me get the. I don't want to quote him wrong. Let me make sure." I, he said, "He said trapping the ball in the pick and roll. He's getting a chance to shoot over open floaters over six three, six two guys. So I hope he makes those shots." <laughs> so it was like, it was like. I mean, obviously, I mean. And they talked about it last game with, like, you know, they're, they're going to play aggressive and double the guys because Andre even said after the last game, those go, those guards aren't just going to pass them the ball. Like, yeah. they don't pass, so they're yeah. not worried about it. This game, they passed a little bit more. Yeah. Well, not really Sexton. More Garland did yeah. a little bit more. Passed them more, a little bit more to Thompson, and it paid off. Garland actually had a pretty nice game tonight, too. And he he's mostly, he's really mostly like looked really bad this year. So that's cool that, actually, that he had a decent outing. I mean, it's not cool for the Pistons, but... Um, I mean, 20 points, 7 assists, decent efficiency. Good for him. Um, yep. Anyways, I think we're going to get out of here. We're about to cross the hour mark, so we made it. Uh, yeah, so tough loss tonight, but we're going to keep fighting through it. Stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.